more than handwriting, what fascinates me is why people think the way they do. And why do they make those choices? It was literally like every single person, like an open book that you get to read. And the curiosity to understand people in the fastest, simplest, and most accurate manner, I found in graphology. And that is the question I can, you know, study, look at, observe for hours, even today. And I blush every time I look at somebody's handwriting after 18 years of doing it. So something must be going wrong. Something is certainly going right. It's going absolutely right, actually. (laughs) Hi there, my name is Rachel Lopez. And if you've been a fan of Aditi Surana's graphology podcast, Absolutely Right. And who isn't, right? Everyone who's ever had a handwriting, has ever looked at their own handwriting and realized, hey, wait a minute, am I neat? Or am I really terrible? Or am I going to get full marks out of this? Or am I going to end up being a doctor? Anyone, if you've ever thought about handwriting, you've probably heard of Aditi Surana's podcast. She's coming around to nearly 200 episodes. We are on the 199th episode of Absolutely Right. And along the way, look at Aditi, so happy. And along the way, Aditi has basically looked at the scrawls, the handwriting, the the very good penmanship or the terrible, terrible handwriting of people all across the country and sometimes abroad as well. She's taken a look at CEOs pieces. She's looked at people in the creative field. She's taken a look at how their letters loop into each other, the connections they make and what those connections mean to how we are as people, what our personalities are like and how our goals reflect and how our fears reflect in our handwriting. That's really interesting. But you know what? There's one mind we haven't delved into yet, Aditi's herself. And that's why we're here turning the spotlight on the girl herself, Aditi. We're going to ask you a whole bunch of questions. How are you feeling today? I am feeling, uh, 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 you know, speechless already. (laughs) Okay. It doesn't happen to me much, (laughs) but yes. Because I'm I'm in front of you, Rachel. And Ah. uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. But now that you're going to ask me questions, the journal is going to come out and the journalist is going to kill me probably. But yeah, I'm ready. But I'm just going to ask you easy questions such as, why is graphology so interesting to you in the first place? What oh is it about God. people looping their Y's, not dotting their I's? What is so exciting about this? Why does it bother you? Why does it, why does it keep you up at night? Why does it fire you up? Okay, there you go. Starting with the simplest question right there. So I must tell you more than handwriting, what fascinates me is why people think the way they do. And why do they make those choices? It was literally like every single person, like an open book that you get to read. And the curiosity to understand people in the fastest, simplest and most accurate manner I found in graphology. So it was actually to find the answer to why this choice is made, why this character behaves like this, why somebody is so weird or people, you know, choose to walk away from their success or choose to walk into failure, what drives them? And that is the question I can, you know, study, look at, observe for hours, even today. And I blush every time I look at somebody's handwriting after 18 years of doing it. So something must be going right. Something is certainly going right. It's going absolutely right, actually. (laughs) Tell me what happens when you look at a piece of handwriting. I'm sure everyone who's had their handwriting analyzed is trying to figure What's going on behind the scenes, you know? So let's pull back the curtains. You get to see uh, a sample of someone's penmanship. It's on unlined paper. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> hey, like, man, I've, I've, so been on, I've been on that couch. <laughs> 
sat there on that couch i've had yes. my work analyzed and i think uh, like the overachiever that i am i also took my uh, standard 9 and my college notes and look look yes. look how it's changed and you were like oh god i don't i don't want to analyze this girl anymore it's just too much but uh, tell me what goes on you're looking at someone's handwriting and the wheels start to turn so actually looking at the handwriting sample per se is as technical or clinical as looking at someone's x-ray so it is actually discovering um, the math behind the strokes when you actually look at there are around 800 permutation and combinations that come alive and you would be choosing some of them but the most interesting part is how one trait combined with other five actually talks about the person so it is never that one flavor that the person gives because we are such complex human beings right our minds are crazy yeah. so it's it's like uh in, when you're cooking it's not always the spicy thing it's spicy mixed with a little sour little mixed with a little sweetness now when everything comes together and here's the right palate is where you can actually discover what the person is like wow that is the most poetic part i think to be able to one understand those connections between people and their behaviors and then to be able to articulate in a manner where they can look at themselves in a different light altogether and feel exposed a little bit right i'm sure when you when you have an accurate and they are all accurate um, analyses when people realize how did you know that or they feel they feel <laughs> almost like their deepest secrets or the things that they've been the veneer that they present the world uh, has suddenly been kind of taken out and uh, there you're left with just your raw handwriting tell me a little bit do do we choose our handwriting or does our handwriting choose us oh what a great question i think uh, we choose our handwriting unknowingly oh nice every time you are thinking a certain way with or without your knowledge the and the brain is making choices when mm. you move your eyeball brain is making choices when you choose to eat for example uh, your favorite thing first in your meal or last in your meal the brain is choosing a patterns when you organize your papers or you let them be like that on the desk you know when you leave so every time the brain is making micro choices handwriting being one of the micro choices so it is not everything but it's one of those things where people could evaluate it accurately and could come up with consistent assessment these are very eloquent ways of describing something that is very abstract tell me have you always been able to discuss and explain what it is that you are seeing with this much accuracy and grace or has it been oh a struggle oh my god oh my god thank you for the compliment but uh, i don't think so obviously i'm a dyslexic i'm a very proud dyslexic but as a child obviously i wasn't aware that i'm a dyslexic child mm-hmm. and back in the day they only thought you're lazy or you're not interested in not putting enough efforts they never understood there could be a learning disability and that obviously created a huge problem while growing up until i discovered that i could analyze people and i had some superpower some sort Yay. of superpower so i was sent to a personality development course when i was 14 i believe and everybody was asked to draw some zeros so the teacher said i'm going to do this assessment and you're supposed to either you know tell me how many zeros can you draw we came up with a number and she said uh, once i time it when you draw those zeros i would say whether you underestimate yourself or overestimate it was as simple as that everybody with all enthusiasm imagine all teenagers in a room for a scene uh, drew those zeros but once she left i started looking at those papers and for me in that moment time stopped i don't know what happened but i actually saw some patterns emerging in those zeros 
and it all she was almost like they were talking to me i've never heard about this after all these years i i can't do it now because you know i'm i've studied graphology way too much to have the simplicity of zeros to talk about things but that day or in that phase i looked at them and they told me a story of each person and that blew my mind and to our surprise mine and theirs it was accurate i spoke about how organized they were what kind of relationships they had whether they loved talking or they were like you know introvertish i i i described them i'm sure i was not uh, i didn't have the vocabulary to describe exact personality traits but whatever i could whatever i could see i kept on describing and that was fascinating that that day i can still walk into that moment and remember it's like goosebumps even thinking Absolutely. about it now just like discovering something that you have never experienced before and that teacher really did underestimate you right because it really <laughs> wasn't <laughs> like let me see if this kid knows oh wait stop what <laughs> that's amazing but it's been a hard journey to where you are right now i know at some point you've had a disagreement with your father i know at some point you've uh you've had to rely on some very unorthodox ways to get ahead tell us a little bit about those early years those oh, yes. early years so the the story goes like this my father who was an art director and a communist at the same time made us question everything he was like okay if you do not agree with it ask for reasons look at things observe them and as a culture we read a lot at home we had we were always surrounded by books so you were also reading from people who were thought leaders and who were you know Uh, who made a difference who thought about life in a different angle not fiction as much but people more like you know non fiction being a communist art wasn't like you know or the artistic indulgence wasn't always appreciated much at home in spite of being an art director which is like a combination of its own so when we uh, started when i started observing people my father always encouraged that so i wanted to become a filmmaker uh, and i always looked at stories and characters and and my father told me once that you will find your characters in real people so you must observe them i said yes challenge accepted i took it too seriously i still remember i was sent to these tuition classes while growing up and the teacher uh, shared the space with her sister who was a doctor and because i was so naughty i was always made to stand outside the class pretty much in the clinic and the doctor was very kind she was very empathetic to her patient she always heard the stories whenever they described any problem personal problem relationship problem she would hear it out and because she asked questions i could hear them and Lovely. i always came up with solutions that if i have to speak with this person i would say this and that but then that was early training as a coach and a Fantastic. student of psychology and everybody thought you were getting punished and <laughs> have you learned your lesson oh little do you yeah. know <laughs> Yeah, I learned many, but not the one which you wanted me to learn. For sure. One of the low points, I think, would have been having a disagreement with your father, who thought this is not what you should be doing with your life. And I, I mean, hearing it, a man who is in a creative field and a communist, and I've seen some really cool communist art. So really, I mean, he should have opened his mind a little more, Uncle. Um, had had a major disagreement with you, which was a turning point in your life as well. Oh my god and how so my my father who was like you know this person who kept guiding me to observe people and do this and and question things uh didn't realize that I can question him too yeah. or the questioning can go other way around he didn't realize until this particular day when I told my father there's a subject called graphology dad and this yeah. is phenomenal and I can analyze people you know like like how excited yeah. 
other every sentence i said he is like yeah what no you're not doing that no that can't Aww. be that he said it is a gynecology you are pronouncing it wrong i think you mean gynecology <laughs> so you said doctor banna hai na and no no matter what you say doctor banna doctor banna doctor engineer both things doctor were allowed and open yeah. but anything other than that is like i don't think you should be wasting your time and said no it's not wasting time i can transform lives and people can get benefited i i gave this whole pitch that i had practiced and thought about but obviously my father wasn't convinced and when he realized that i'm determined to scare me off and not to let me walk down this path he said okay if you want to do it you're on your own you can beta mere ghar se nikal jao i i couldn't believe that he said that he couldn't believe he said that but after he had said it he couldn't have gone back so it was typical uh, DDLJ scene, you know, like yeah, yeah, it is quite a Bollywood film, but quite a Bollywood film. And I think that this is just the beginning. My life had been pretty Bollywood after that, and no doubt I love Bollywood so much. I think I have created so many story. Stay points. tuned, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so that day, around ten o'clock in the night, my I packed my bags, and because I said I'm going to do this, and I really, really wanted to choose graphology, I left home. And it almost wow. sounds like I left with a boy, I know, like a typical eighteen, that seventeen and a half, eighteen years old, wanting to get married. None of that happened. I wanted to be with the love of my life, and here it was graphology. And I think yeah, to be. you were not even in love with a love letter. You were just in love with the writing. I yeah, mean, handwriting letter. I agree. Come talk about kahani me twist. And I believe it was really difficult for you. You were um, you approached you were doing fifty rupee readings for people in cafe coffee day at a time when even a cup of coffee cost more than fifty rupees at the time. Even uh, before that, before that, to discover, to get you know, get on yeah. with life, to figure out yeah. how where I'm going to stay, and we were you know protected. Everything was provided for yeah. you know in that sense privilege. So we never had to make these decisions. Yeah. So sometimes when you follow your dreams and you think that I'm going to do this big thing. Mm-hmm. the bigger problem is how to fix the smallest thing that is in front of you yeah man and when you don't know how to go about it when you have no clue to solve that problem it can be really daunting i think once you so if you are as our listeners if you are thinking about something please consider the smaller issues too because they would also yeah. be the teething issues and yeah and yeah so i left home Uh, I remember going to multiple uh, call center interviews so that I would get a job so that I can focus on uh, graphology. I've been there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but you know, uh, language wasn't my strength ever. They heard me. They said, uh, "I don't think you will be able to cope up." They said, "Thank you, bye bye." And I never get, got a job. Then I was left with my graphology and and a challenge to figure out my college fees. So I approached Cafe Coffee Day and I said, uh, "Hey, you have a tagline that says a lot can happen over coffee. Why not graphology?" And they said, "Hmm, sounds interesting. Let's give it a try." So I remember walking into their office and meeting five decision makers, and I went there at eleven o'clock because the conversation went on and on and on, and people wanted to get analyzed. I was there till five thirty, and that one wow. day. suddenly from being an amateur i turned into a professional because i bagged two assignments one was to analyze people for the hr department which was nice it happened once in a while but i was more interested in talking to people so the second assignment the challenging one was where i was uh, asked to sit in a coffee shop distribute the pamphlets and explain what graphology is and analyze people over coffee for fantastic and it it's been hard going because i think you sit across from a person and a lot can happen over coffee and they're paying you 50 rupees and it's a completely different 
um, scenario in terms of people are not coming to you with a problem that's it's a pastime at that point when you're just like figuring it out what happens when you take those same skills and go to actual clients has it always been easy do people want to hear the truth about themselves i think people want to know what they're ready to hear ah, good they answer do want, <laughs> they do not want to necessarily know the truth but so many times you know if it is palatable if they start trusting you then they open up and then they want to hear what you have to say but yeah, that trust yeah. building by itself takes time which obviously i wasn't yeah. aware of when i started so i would say things for as they are whatever i could see in the handwriting yeah, yeah. So you'd be all like you oh, sir are an asshole oh my goodness <laughs> and we like no dude i'm not never that never so that <laughs> it was and always like i it's not saying I think you have these temper issues. I would say you lose your mind. That's oh, exactly. <laughs> wow. Le- lesson lesson one was that I can do graphology and I can find out about people. Lesson two, which is far more important, is some people don't want to be helped in the way that I want to help them. Gosh, what am I going to do? And and you really had to flavor the pot differently. Oh my God! And also, like it's one part is talking, another yeah. part is knowing when to shut up. That's like the large part of coaching. Like. No, you're not supposed to speak here. Yep. Ouch. Ouch. What have been the worst reactions that people have had to uh, samples that you've given them? Listen, one second before you even answer, let me just say that the sample that Aditi read of mine, I fell in love with her. So oh. your mileage may vary, everyone. And if you've come away thinking, you know, Aditi is a truth teller of the worst kind, then maybe you should listen to all the other things that she has to say. So I, I remember I was speaking to this. Uh, teenager kind of a boy who was of my age and his entire family was sitting around in the coffee shop and everything that i said he said i'm not like that you know like he was fully defined like i'm not like that and i still remember the voice that he had and his sister who was sitting next to me i think two chairs apart she's like he totally is <laughs> yeah, i'm not like that and he he threw threw a fit and he just walked away from the conversation and the very moment he left all his family like yes yes, yes he did <laughs> But to go through the grind from yeah, yeah. you know that that was really tough. Oh God, save us from deluded teenage boys. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing was uh, when I was uh, analyzing, not only analyzing but coaching a very successful business tycoon kind of a girl, and I would she was like in the making that time, and she yeah. really you know was brilliant. She studied abroad and she had her credentials to. trust herself and you know be the person she was and when i was analyzing her i remember saying something that offended her to another level and it was okay. three sessions into the module so she had known me we had spent time but now that i said something that she was not ready to hear she uh, didn't say anything in the session but that evening i received a long email that had many many personal remarks about my dressing sense to my uh, kind of you know going about things and how obnoxious i was in like thinking that i can know about people to certain very severe comments about the work and the way we function yeah 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 it was you suck and i hate your blouse you know this is such a <laughs> you know like it's like a playground diss you know i'm Probably. i'm so glad you've taken it in a good in in a good spirit i hope i i think that took like good 7 days for me to digest it because you know hearing the truth is not always easy <laughs> so uh, i digested i i took some time to you know i kept reading it i remember making printouts and using a highlighter to say, 
like really think about all the things that were non-personal and things that she was actually talking about the service. Now, the, when you give feedback, you understand how powerful feedbacks are. Yeah. And you also start realizing that if you can remove the personal matter out and only look at things that you can improve, change, right. it just changes the way you look at things. And I remember that one email transformed the way we serviced our clients to another level. Oh, because fantastic. along with all the blouse comments, she also made comments about how she was not happy we not reaching out at X hour or we not, you know, do, delivering things in time. Those things had validity. Yeah. Complete yeah. validity. And I think that was very helpful. Wonderful. In fact, over the, over the last 199 almost episodes, uh, I've seen so many little clips here and there. I've seen, I've listened to whole episodes as well. And you shine so effortlessly in all of that. Tell me a little bit about the people that you have been, whose handwriting you've been analyzing. Let's analyze the data. What is it that drives most people or what is it that people are most fearful of that you've been able to see from their, from their work, from their samples? So interestingly, it is different in Indian handwritings than otherwise. And I found in Indian handwritings, there are two very, very prominent traits. One mm-hmm. is low self-esteem, which okay. is also self-doubt in that sense. And second one is fear of rejection or fear of success. Same trait implemented differently. So I feel self-doubt comes from the fact that we were always made to prove ourselves with our performance. And if we were not good enough, we were told in our practical performance, we were told we are not good enough as people. And thereby, uh, if your performance didn't match the levels you thought it should, people tend to doubt themselves a lot. And And it's an Indian trait, is it? It's very interesting how people fall for this over and over again. The second common Indian trait is uh, fear of rejection. And I think that comes from all the moms saying, hi, hi, look, kya kahenge? Ah. All the time, right? So every time you want to do something different, unique, uh, path breaking, you're constantly told to look at what other people's views are. And that builds to constant fear of rejection or fear of failure because you don't want to fail because then people would think you are, you know, this loser and that, that would lead to rejection at large. So it's a combined thing. In spite of talking to all the high performers that we have been doing over these years, I feel the, these two traits are common, even there. These people manage to go beyond these traits in spite of the problem. But yeah. it exists. No, but matter. it exists. And these are the things we hold so clearly and so, you know, close to ourselves. We don't want anyone to know that we feel less or that we feel inadequate. And, uh, and uh, clearly, clearly, if we are all feeling inadequate, there must be some sort of national worry in terms <laughs> of how we are being raised and, and what our value is. Yeah. Tell me how people leave a session. What happens once a session is completed? Once they've written their sample out, you've had this conversation, they've got to you. Um, you know, eyes have been opened, jaws have <laughs> dropped, pennies have dropped, and a session is over. Is it therapeutic? Is it cathartic? Are they shocked? What do people leave? What kind of emotions do people leave with? So every analysis, my singular objective, initially, when I started, I wanted to be accurate. I wanted to yeah. be, you know, like the person that they had met, because it was largely about me. And As I grew up, I realized if I want to become a coach and not remain as a graphologist, I need to start looking at how they understand and they became the focus. The very moment that changed, uh, the shocking moments and the aha moments reduced 
and the realization moments increased because then you don't want people to only think how mind uh, boggling the conversation was you wanted them to see the value of transformation yeah sometimes in a mere conversation of say 30 minutes 20 minutes people get so many realizations and also a space where they can be so nothing nice. that you can do in a coaching session that would be judged or that would be labeled or that would yeah. be yeah 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 you would be reprimanded for even in yeah. in that look and that takes a lot of work rachel you know you can analyze people and learn that skill say yeah. i keep yeah. saying that that's one year of my profession but other 18 years had been to know and be aware that even in the slightest moment you can't make the person feel that you're judging uncomfortable them. yeah yeah judging them because it's like they're so very and we are so conscious and we are so alert about it that we don't want that and the very moment uh, they experience judgment they shut down which That's is true. contrary to the process yeah. that we want to build so it's very yeah. delicate the process is so delicate and many times i have observed this the person who walks in the session even online and the one who walks out they look different there something about their face change yeah, yeah. Yeah. and handwriting is so personal and so introspective right i mean if someone's telling you things that they have found out about you and sometimes you're finding them out about yourself so it causes a lot of you know i got to think about this i got to sit down mm-hmm. uh, i got to take a minute and also it's combined with coaching right so you're not only yeah. observing you're also coming to a solution you're also yeah. breaking the barrier and moving forward and this is where i felt I, i initially got trained as a counselor and i felt counseling you know powerful method but when i was introduced to coaching again that moment happened where i'm like oh graphology can give me the insights but what is really important is not indulge always in a back story but see this is my starting point and yeah. from here i want to move forward and get to that next level what do i require to reengineer in me and i think right. that's fascinating right. because then you are not using any story as a reason or an excuse yeah. to stop yourself you're like okay that happened i don't have one arm i accept it still i want to achieve it what can i yeah. do yeah. so yeah. that i think is fascinating that that part of coaching i think keeps me going and has led to other work that we are doing but still oh not. that's amazing that's amazing tell me a little bit about your uh, mental uh, gym and the mental fitbit uh does it all how does it all work together with handwriting what is what is me giving you a writing sample how does that have to do with my personality where i'm going how i'm coming what you're seeing where you're guiding and what has what it has to do with all the other things that you do that so cohesively work together towards towards betterment i was very comfortable as a professional until the pandemic hit and i was doing only one on one session and i was only using graphology to talk to these few people enjoyed yeah. myself and little team that we had uh and the you know you you reach your own rhythm and it was you know cooking and doing my yoga and like did all of that but when the pandemic hit and it was the first time i realized how much we need to speak about the anxiety issues that people were carrying and i went public which means i went one to many for the first time in my career which was uncomfortable in the beginning but you know sometimes you realize the, the purpose or the cause takes over and you just become like a player in it and you it doesn't matter like whether you are uncomfortable or you are exhausted you just do what you need to do so we started a first social initiative uh in the first lockdown in march 2020 and the initiative was uh teaching people on instagram 21 different 
journaling techniques or journaling prompts as we call it for to improve anxiety so it was a free 21 day anti-anxiety journaling workshop and we thought about it literally two days before we jumped in and decided to do it we said okay we got to do it people are anxious because many people called and they said oh my god I don't know what's gonna happen and I could sense that is building and I was reading some research paper where they spoke about China Italy Germany who had gone in the lockdown prior to us and the repercussions on mental health yeah yeah let's do this let's not waste time let's jump in we thought 50 people would come 60 Instagram had that time I think 1500 people as our followers so we thought whomever comes we're just gonna show up and we're gonna speak nice I did that and within those three months we had more than 3000 people who went wow unbelievable like it was overwhelming for us we also said the second initiative was every day we will offer four free sessions of the lockdown Mm. days Mm. uh anybody who has anxiety i would talk to them how nice and i spoke to 300 and i think 85 people in that and that just to be able to be with them hear their voice witness the kind of upheaval they were going through and this is not the kind of people I worked with I worked with CEOs CXOs so the issues were different right like they had okay this is my success and I want to take it to the next level yeah I had not done middle level management kind of work I had not worked with these smart professionals who are so bright but still in that process of figuring their career somebody between and trapped in different ways no middle management you don't really think about them in the same way yeah and they have different kind of issues so for me that entire exercise gave gave you know so many insights in the struggles people were going through and I'm like I must do something about it while that was happening Amazon commissioned me to write a book on the same thing so then I I had to do more research and then I dwelled more into that topic all of that led to me realizing two things one if I continue only using graphology then the other tools and mechanisms that we can help people with won't be used or accepted as much. Makes so sense. For the first time in my career, we moved away technically from graphology-based services to talking about mental gym, which has nothing to do with handwriting analysis. Nice. So here we talk about tools which are associated with mental and emotional fitness nice. and journeys like that. So every month you have one topic like rejection, Nice. One topic like listening skills, one topic like decision like making, mental stamina. That's so nice. Yeah, literally that. So that became like the newer journey. But without graphology and without having those insights in people working with them is my current challenge because that's my okay. go to, right? I can just look at the writing and talk about you. But now that I don't have it, I have to rely on other coaching training. But it is phenomenal. The results are phenomenal. The universe is realigning itself for you and showing you a new path. It's so few people, so few people identify the door for what it is and even walk through it. And here you are, you've got like this beautiful gate and it's taking you down a new path and it's helping so many people along the way. And I think I'm glad that you mentioned the pandemic angle as well, because you started the podcast before the pandemic hit. I know One week before. One week before. (laughs) I know that we met, uh, we met at the studio, you know, long before anyone had ever heard the word droplet or virus or viral load or anything else. It was just, you know, I hadn't even heard the word Wuhan and, uh, and all our lives changed. Um, I think for anyone who's listening and who's seen your wonderful journey and who's seen that 
even for the analyzer even for someone who's who's putting in this much effort it can't be easy it's never been easy and it's a challenge as well particularly for india as you're saying mm-hmm. i think uh, let's leave on a really nice note for anyone who's listening what is the one thing they can do just from now till the the day ends what's the one good thing you can do for your uh, mental fitness for your mental stamina to begin with you can spend 3 minutes listening to our new podcast called daily mental fitbit Lovely. which is actually uh, designed in a way that every day you get different ways of improving your mental and emotional fitness and exactly. i i i'm not calling this mental health because we have that idea that mental health is when you are depressed when you are anxious when you have an issue but fitness yeah. is something that we all require like imagine yeah. having your brain more available to you while you are in that meeting and it's not preoccupied imagine yes. you are enjoying that piece of music because you can stop what is happening or bothering you and completely give into that that song and nice. enjoy it nice so you are an athlete you are an athlete in here which is exactly. which is amazing 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 that's a, that's a great word i i talk a lot about building stress appetite which right. means you really allow yourself to be stressed but you build the muscle to digest it and you know yeah. Yeah. forward and take more of it so i would say if one thing you can do please get to handwritten journaling because yeah. it would allow you to look at your own life and i believe large part of it <laughs> Rachel is showing off her journal right yeah, there. Yeah, my my only flex, ladies and gentlemen, is that I have good handwriting. It doesn't mean uh-huh. I'm any smarter, any wiser, that my many memory retention is any better, or that I have any less stress. It just <laughs> means that I just we can write everything down. But yeah, I think. Um, And as we do that to our to-do list, we don't do that to our bothering or difficult emotions or like yeah. disturbing emotions. Yeah. We don't do that to things that are playing on our mind. So yeah. having an outlet and literally having a space where you trust yourself to be honest and say everything that you wish to. Nice. Uh, if you build a habit and build that companionship with your journal, it will go a long way. And we Fantastic. we talk about this in a in a way that. uh if you carry a burning coal in your hand for a very long time it will only burn your hand but yeah. journaling will allow you to drop it keep yeah. it for some time at least you can choose to keep, pick it up next morning again yeah. if you like yeah. but at least for that some time you will have a space to be and how drop nice. how nice an emotional divestment bhai tum rakh lo thoda so you feel Yeah. wonderful what an exciting conversation this has been aditi thank you for sharing bits of your life and showing thank us a little peek behind the curtain uh, <laughs> thank you so much for doing this rachel this is uh, oh i had a blast we we were thinking about who should we call and you know in all the conversations that we have had i remember when i was analyzing you that time you started interviewing me and i'm like hello wait it's my my turn i'm the host <laughs> there was never anybody else there was never anybody else sorry i'm shaking too much and my headphones are going crazy but there was never anybody else of course i'm fascinated the time uh, for anyone who's sort of not listened to very far back episodes of uh, absolutely right i think i was episode 4 or 5 or whatever i think so too yeah initial episode slip of a girl so young so innocent you know 
I'm like that. Sorry, like Aditi, you come. Go. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's a great way to end the episode today. It is. Thank you so much for letting me ask you Thank these you. deep, penetrating questions. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> Before we end today's episode I have to say this to each listener every person who has been part of this journey on the absolutely right podcast I am so so grateful each and every listener who has been part of this journey who keeps coming back regularly for each week's new discussion the guests who have been so vulnerable and who has helped me grow personally my producer on the show rashi ganeriwal the crew the editing team that we have every single person as you can imagine has been relentless to deliver the kind of quality that we deliver every single week for 100 non-stop weeks like that so the journey was so tough also because we launched the first episode on 11th of March 2020 and then within a few days the lockdown started and we had no clue what we are doing how we're going to go about it how we're going to record where the equipment's going to come from because back in the day online shopping was off so we had to wait it out to create and get back and solve problems every single week whether it is about delivering a show on time or creating the kind of content or getting the guests in time like it is it is is a, a daunting task but very very satisfying and gratifying more than anything else when we hear the stories of transformation so thank you so much for being part of this journey this is phenomenal this is unbelievable and every single time i have any listener interaction we understand how much you cherish this effort and how much you trust the process so thank you thank you thank you so much I see you on Friday with the last Friday episode of the Absolutely Right podcast the topic being if you want to be a superhero in real life then be an action hero do check it out I'll see you on Friday till then happy writing